It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, courtesy of The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for real fans. It's a great mix of national voices that you already know, like Jay Glazer, Mike Sandow, Mike Lombardi, the late, great Don Banks, or for The Athletic, too, and awesome local writers. In fact, one of my buddies, Harif Hassan, covers the Vikings, and I was just reading an awesome article that he wrote about this critical offseason for the Vikings. So if you're somebody that likes coverage of your own team, Great, plenty of that, but if you're somebody that likes coverage of other teams like I do, you can get tons of great writers that cover teams besides your own, and as I said, great national writers too. And here's the best part, not only do you get first-rate reporting, but you get all kinds of great analysis, advanced analytics, in-depth player profiles, and more, and it's completely ad-free, no clickbait, just great content. Pro sports, college sports, the athletic has it all. So if you're not subscribing yet, you're really missing out. Want to get in on the action? I got a great deal for you. Just for being a Play Like a Jet listener, you can go to theathletic.com slash overtime, all lowercase letters, and you'll get yourself 40% off a year subscription. 40%, that's a lot. Go to theathletic.com slash overtime, all lowercase letters, and get all of this fantastic sports coverage in the athletic for 40% off today. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it's time for another edition of the Roundtable with a friend of mine who's gone into hiding, I guess you could say. I had to send out some private detectives to find him. Nobody knew where he went. He actually deleted his Twitter. He dropped off the face of the earth. Well, not entirely. He was still responding to my texts. It just wasn't going around and posting stuff on Twitter, especially his film reviews, which everybody really enjoys. But now he's back. He's working his way back into the groove. Very busy guy, so that's why he stepped away. Plus, let's be real, the way that things ended for the Jets down the stretch, it's very tough for somebody to put in the kind of effort that he normally does. So my buddy, who is, of course, the host of TOJ Film Room over at TurnOnTheJets.com and on YouTube, Mr. Joe Blewett. Joe, welcome back, sir. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm happy to to be back and uh we were just talking about you know how I originally said I'm gonna slow down with the film and stuff and I went to watch some uh some Conklin film and I was gonna do only a couple of games from Conklin and I I'm starting from week one and now I'm already on like five or six without skipping games. So uh I definitely had an issue. I kicked it for a couple of months, but um yeah, I'm I'm happy to be back and, and reviewing some film. I'll I'll have a uh show up on the next few days at TOJ Film Room. So, um, you know, I apologize to the people who, you know, love the show and love the film reviews, but I am uh, back maybe in a little bit less of a role, but I do have an issue, so I might just be back normal. So, 
You only know one way to do things, though. You go all in or you don't go at all. That's unfortunately a blessing and a curse because it's great because you produce such great film reviews, but it's bad because it'll burn you out at some point, which is what happened. But that's why I'm glad you might have learned a little bit of a lesson to kind of slow down and pace yourself, Joe, because as your friend, I was watching this and I was like, there's no way he's going to be able to keep up this pace. This is insane. And so eventually you kind of crashed a little bit, but now you're back and I think you've learned to sort of take things a little bit slower now right yeah yeah uh doing thousands of plays i did over 30 first round guys with all 30 to 60 videos of them uh films of every game films of almost every single jet player individually somewhere as low as 30 somewhere as high as uh donald right like 130 plays in donald so yeah I, I need to slow down a little bit but i definitely was was you know missing um some of the interactions and and really just watching film and getting into the nitty-gritty i'm definitely uh, rusty with podcasting, I think I'll probably be a little bit uh, terrible to be honest. Um, and even with film, like some of the terminology, like I was watching some constant film, I was like, "What did I call this? Like, what is this technique?" Yeah, <laughs> to go look look back at my notes because I haven't watched film. Uh, even the Jets games, like the Jets team I was watching this year, a lot of people are asking questions about what what went wrong with Quinn Williams and why he didn't he do this and why didn't he get that. I watched the games as a fan. I, I you know, had a few. Uh, few beverages watch the game i wasn't watching techniques and stuff so um you know i'm really interested to dive back into the jets season uh look at some of these free agents look at some of these draft prospects um i time is a little bit limited now with free agency coming in about a month and the draft coming in about two months so there won't be as much as there was last year but i'll definitely get reviews out of the big guys they sign even the mid-level players they sign and then all the the draft picks but uh yeah, I'm definitely, definitely excited, and hopefully I learned a lesson, but uh, let's be honest, most likely not. <laughs> well, the good thing is that as far as free agency goes, you can start to get your ducks in a row because you don't really have to worry about it until such time that the Jets actually make some moves, which won't be until March. And so we'll get to that in a bit because I want to ask your opinion on some of the guys they should target. But first, let's talk about 2019, and let's talk about the first year of Adam Gase. You were impressed with Adam Gase's offense when you watched the tape of him in Miami. Were you impressed with that same offense here with the Jets in year number one? Uh, there was definitely some concepts that I that I enjoyed um, watching, and I think that the limited talent that he had on the team uh, limited some of the things he could do. But that's not to to you know he doesn't have um, you know a clause where he has no no blame or something like that. Like he there was rollouts that I think he should have. Um, employed into the offense or deployed in, into the offense that he didn't do. Uh, I would have liked to see more Le'Veon Bell out out wide and using him more in the screen game, um, getting his you know uh, getting the ball in in his hands, you know, in the open field that he didn't do, um, which was a little bit frustrating. You would also see the Jets, you know, how many of their games it was like four, five, six games where they came out and scored a touchdown on their opening drive, but then after that opening quarter, um, even opening half, where the offense looked pretty good it would just completely stall out like in that Cowboys game where you know, the Jets were dominating the Cowboys in the first half and the Cowboys you know, almost came back and won that game because the offense couldn't produce um, in the second half. So I think there are some things that I, I, you know, also watching it with how bad the offensive line you know, was, and this is just you know, purely on broadcast angle um, later in the season, uh, even against the worst teams, you know, he, the pass rush would get there pretty quickly to Donald, um, as we know. You know, he had the lowest time to, I think, snap to throw the ball without getting hit. Um, I think he was the lowest quarterback in terms of that. Uh, also, Le'Veon Bell getting uh, hit behind the line of scrimmage more than any other, you know, 
uh, running back in the league, which can, you know, partial, that could, that could be partial to, you know, the fact that he, uh, you know, is so patient on the long scrimmage, but still offensive line was really bad. And then there was times where he was running really deep concepts uh, with only five guys blocking. So I would have liked to see a little bit shorter concepts at times. Uh, also would have liked to see more you know, usage of a fullback, you know, uh, H-back tight end to, to stay in and block guys, um, which I didn't feel he did. Um, enough because we do know he is a guy who likes the you know, 10 personnel, 11 personnel. So he definitely had his flaws, but at the same time, he's not terrible in terms of scheming. I don't, I don't think he's bad. I think he's, if you just look at his individual concepts, I think they're really imaginative at times. Um, but he was severely limited in some ways. Uh, you know, and it's one of the most frustrating things those first couple of games where you had Luke Falk, who's a practice squad quarterback with no offensive line no running game, what are you expecting him to do on offense? It's almost impossible um, to, to produce like that. And that's when people were getting on him so, you know, so hard and, and you know, and expecting him to, to go up against teams like uh, whoever they played the beginning of the season. Like I said, I, I, I completely tapped out <laughs> last year, but they played some good teams. Um, and, it, you know, they couldn't produce them. I was expecting even a Browns team. You know, the Browns team was at week two. Yeah, the Browns aren't the most, you know, well-coached team, but talent – the talent on defense is undeniable and we got, you know, smashed for a second that people are coming out and, and, and criticizing him. So I, I, I get the criticism, but I think it's a little bit overblown. Now I am concerned with the things that you were concerned with, which is why you always say, and you're probably your response to this. Cause you know, I haven't talked in a while, but I do know you pretty well. Uh, you're sort of talking about how it wasn't <laughs> about the X's and O's for Gase. It was about the off field stuff and the manager that it takes to be a head coach. And I think in that area, um, he, he failed, uh, with rubbing guys the wrong way, you saw what happened with, with Clutchio Samuel, which I think I, I, that, that's a weird situation because it almost seemed like KO, you know, had that injury before he signed with the Jets and he was kind of trying to bail out on the season and then the Jets didn't want to pay him, so it was a little bit sketchy, but still that wasn't a good situation. Uh, Quincy Inunua, uh, that, that whole situation didn't seem to be handled well with putting his uh, missed practice, not, not practice, I think it was like rehabs um, up on a board, so um, in those areas, I am concerned. You have the Le'Veon Bell thing. You saw the game, I forget what game it was, with uh, Sam Donald kind of blowing him off on the sideline and Sam Donald could say whatever he wanted to, but they were clearly frustrated with each other on the sideline. So um, it's it's definitely an incomplete grade. Um, I, th- I think the, the scheming he could do a little bit better with, but it wasn't as bad as people think it was. Um, and the off-field stuff, he needed to kind of uh, stop puffing his chest out so much and not kind of understand what it takes to be a head coach because he's failed at that since he's been a head coach with Miami. Joe, watching the Jets offense in 2019, and I'm not necessarily comparing concepts or anything like that, just the general feel of the offense, it felt a lot like 2017 to me when John Morton was the offensive coordinator and the Jets would do well early on and then fall off a cliff. They would have the scripted plays and then after that, Either Morton wouldn't make adjustments or didn't have the personnel to do it. In this case, I think it was a lot more of Gase being stubborn. In Morton's case, I think it was just he had what he had and he had no choice but to throw the ball a ton. Obviously, he didn't have the benefit of having Le'Veon Bell or even Ty Montgomery at the time. But to me, that's what it felt like watching the Jets. You would see them come out and start well early and then kind of fall off a cliff offensively. Is that how you felt? Do you see the parallel there between 2019 and 2017? Yeah, for sure. And, and the reason for that, at least in my mind, is that you could scheme, you know, uh, let's say an opening drive of or you know, the first two drives of 16 players to attack teams' weaknesses. 
Um, but then once teams adjust to that, how are you going to, to react? And that's the thing you struggle with. And there's two kind of reasons for that. Um, one, because I think that, you know, just in general, he could have made better adjustments to the, the way that defense is adjusted to his initial um, kind of attackings of that defense. But then also it comes to having talent. And listen, the Jets had some, some talent on offense, um, but they were also all injured. You know, they, they were down to like their 11th offensive lineman coming in and guys from the practice squad and uh, McGovern or wherever the hell that guy's name was that they signed from the Bills who came in and, and played some snaps, I believe. Um, you had a new who was out. You had Herndon who played one game. So you, you, you had some talent on the offense, but they were frequently injured. And then you have Robbie Anderson, who I know we'll probably get into Robbie Anderson, who's a deep threat. And you can't use a deep threat if you can't have, you don't, if you don't have time to throw the ball. So your biggest threat on offense at that time, um, was Le'Veon Bell, who couldn't run behind a line, who couldn't block. Um, one, because their starters weren't even good. And then you get into, you know, third, second, third stringers, uh, playing consistent minutes. Um, he couldn't run. And, uh, and you can't use your other top threat as a receiving threat because he's, he's a deep threat and they couldn't throw the ball deep because Sandal didn't have enough time to throw the ball deep. Um, even if he did have enough time, the, the pocket would be pushed and he couldn't step into throws. And you see him thrown off his back foot and things like that where they couldn't pick up blitzes. So um, it was, it, you know, it, it's, it's a hard position for him to be in. I think with more talent, you definitely see um, better pro- productivity from the, from the offense. So there's, I, I think those are the main two reasons. I'm for that, so I do get that uh, that comparison, though. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. What'd you think of the job Greg Williams did in 2019? Consensus seems to be that he was the unsung hero in a lot of ways, and not unsung necessarily to Jets fans, but to the people that are praising the Jets for the 7-9 and nine record, that he should be getting more of the credit than Gase. That's what the consensus seems to be among Jets fans. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Um, looking at the talent that he 
that he had again with like Gase, like he had some talent starting the year, but corner, um, even when everybody was healthy, I was saying, you know, the beginning of the year, that's it's most likely a bottom three, bottom five unit. Um, and he still had injuries of it's, you know, I think Roberts missed a few games, obviously. Sharon Johnson got injured and just sucked so bad they didn't even play him. Um, and you had guys who I couldn't even tell you their names. Uh, I, I, I saw them on TV a couple of times. I knew who they were, but I couldn't repeat their names because I don't, I don't remember them to be completely honest, like practice squad level players. Um, I know that Bless Austin came in. Um, and then I think it's Mollett, uh, came in. He played relatively well, but those are good, you know, depth pieces, uh, for now. So he was working with like four, six, six string corners. Um, you know, your two starting middle linebackers who, you know, in the beginning of the year, I said, I think the top three to five, uh, you know, pairing in the entire NFL, you didn't have that. Uh, you traded Leonard Williams away, which, you know, I agree with the trade, even though but he's still a talented player. So you didn't have that to work with. Plenty of uh, outside linebacker injuries. I think Copeland was spending the first four games, if I'm remembering correctly. So you didn't have that. Jenkins missed a few games. You know, there were so many damn injuries for this guy and for him to, to produce the way he did where, um, like I said, I'm not too in tune with the stats and things like that, but I know we were around a top 10 unit for um, a good amount of the year in terms of yards and touchdowns and whatever else, you know, wherever, wherever else or, you know, statistics that they're out there. Um, so we're going to produce like that with a bunch of backups, you know, corners, uh, you know, outside linebackers, middle linebackers. We were down not, not only, you know, the, the two starters with Williamson and Mosley, then also Cashman got injured. Um, he got injured for, I think, a couple of games. You were down to, like, Burgess, and um, that was really it, who at the beginning of the year was touching the team and was signed back as, like, our, our fifth string, sixth string inside linebacker. And he was starting for a good amount of the season. So to do what he did with the lack of talent that he had was, uh, re- you know, really, really impressive. And I, was t- I think he should be insulted that he didn't get any – I believe he didn't get any votes for the uh, assistant coach of the year or whatever it's called, um, which I think he definitely deserves. So – to see him, you know, hopefully get some talent back, uh, guys getting healthy, you know, hopefully Jenkins is resigned. You get the, the two inside linebackers back and maybe get a corner or two to see how he can produce. I'm really, really excited for Greg Williams because, uh, you know, excuse my French, but he, he coached his balls off. <laughs> I don't know if that's French, Joe, but okay. Let's talk a little bit about <laughs> Sam Darnold now. I wanted to know what you thought about his transformation from 2018 to 2019. A lot of people were expecting a huge jump. And the way that I've put it is that he made progress, but nowhere near the amount of progress that we were hoping for or in some ways expecting. Now, to be fair, maybe we were expecting too much considering the offensive line and then there was the mono and all of that. Tell me what you thought overall of Sam Darnold's 2019. Yeah, I was expecting major leaps forward, and then we got you know some some baby steps type deal, um, some shuffles forward, and that's partially because like I've been talking about the talent around him. When you have you know pretty much the worst running game in the NFL, the worst pass blocking um, unit in, in the NFL in terms of the pressure that he was receiving, um, it's definitely going to be hard. Uh, and, and with that, and also his weapons being out, Griffin missed a few games, Herndon missed a few games, and Nunez missed the whole season. Um, I think Crowder. Uh, was the only one to play the entire season. I think maybe Anderson at the game. Uh, I don't remember to be completely honest, but I know uh, Anderson um, and Crowder were the only ones who played you know consistently throughout the year. So his his talent was uh, diminishing around him. Um, but even with that said, I, there are some things that he needs to improve on uh, under pressure. He's definitely been a little bit erratic and just flicking the ball up off of his back foot. We saw it a couple of times versus the Patriots where. 
he needs to learn to throw the ball out of bounds or maybe throw the ball low um, to guys to, you know, limit interceptions. And, you know, either the, it's going to hit the ground or my receiver's going to make a amazing catch, which I don't think he did that enough. Um, but then we also saw games, you know, later in the season or even, you know, mid, mid, the middle of the season to end of the season, games like the Ravens were a team that is as good as the Ravens and as good as their defense uh, was, throwing some of the balls they threw and, and um, you know, kind of dissecting that defense was ridiculously impressive. And then I didn't lose that game, but that throw to Crowder in the end zone was one of the best throws that you, you probably saw, you know, all season from really any quarterback in the league. Um, that was definitely, you know, up there. So uh, he took baby steps, but he definitely has to, he has to learn how to uh, kind of throw the ball away, um, how to handle pressure, how to call, uh, you know, the offensive line to, better protect against different pressure sets that the, the defense is showing. And I think that's going to come with time. He's only, what, 22 years old. So uh, maybe thinking he's going to take major steps at 22 was a little bit of an oversight. But um, the baby steps were, you know, it, it's a good thing. But you're hoping that with a better offensive line, uh, hopefully better threats for him, or even not even better threats coming to the team, but just guys getting healthy, um, he'll take steps forward because we saw last year – um, when he did have a clean pocket, his pass rating was really high. Uh, you know, had a lot of touchdowns and a lot of picks with uh, without that pressure in his face. So um, that's definitely a positive. But um, even if the team does improve, there's going to be some times when he does have that pressure and he just has to learn how to better um, adjust to it or just throw the damn ball away. So. So you think that him making that big leap in 2020 is a matter of not only his own improvement, but also putting better pieces around him, specifically on the offensive line, and Adam Gates doing a better job of tailoring to his strengths? Yeah, so obviously he needs to you know, make his own improvements. He's not the perfect quarterback yet, uh, being so young at 22 years old, I think 23 uh, at some point next season, I don't know exactly when his birthday is, but yeah, so he, he needs to make some of his own improvements, but the team around him undoubtedly needs to get better, especially when you look at the roster right now, even compared to last year, there's going to be some, um, some holes and, you know, even the offensive line, which is really bad uh, last year. Are they going to sign Robbie Anderson, reside Robbie Anderson, tag him, whatever they have to do to get him back. You know, that's a, that's a huge question mark. So yeah, they need a ton more talent around him. Uh, at wide receiver, which is why, you know, you have some people talking about Ruggs versus Judy versus Lamb versus Chenault versus whoever it may be um, in the second round. Uh, and that's just at the, you know, the, the skill position. I think they're pretty set at running back right now with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, just put up something where people are, you know, trashing Le'Veon Bell. They're stuck with him and he's so bad and, you know, all of this. Now, do I think he's Le'Veon Bell from 2015? You know, maybe not, but I'm still really impressed with what I see all right, what I saw from Le'Veon Bell. Um, now, would I have liked to see him maybe uh, attack holes a little bit harder in the 2019 season, um, you know, to combat the the terrible offensive line that the Jets had? Yes, that's also not his running style. So I think if you get him another, you know, maybe let's say at least three offensive linemen, I think it's unrealistic for the for Joe Douglas and the Jets to replace five. Uh, guys in, in one off season. So I think realistically, you're probably looking at three, maybe four, um, if, if we're lucky. But, you know, we've talked about it at, at nauseum, uh, that the Jets, you know, and Sam Darnold had the lowest time to, to throw the ball without getting pressured or hit. Le'Veon Bell got contacted behind the line more than any running back in the NFL. So he undoubtedly needs talent, um, around him along with his own you know, steps in the right direction. And then, like you said, with Gase, yeah, there's some 
um, things he could do, which we've, you know, which we've spoken about, you know, rolling out, um, running more concepts that he likes, you know, well, I forget exactly what week was uh, during the year where, you know, uh, Donald went to Gase and they spoke about, you know, what he was comfortable doing, which is one of, one of my biggest problems with the whole Gase thing is that I don't hate him as much as some other people do. Um, I, 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 you know, I know what you think about him, Scott, and I agree with you to the extent of him in, in the locker room, him as a man, et cetera. Um, but you'd think that a head coach in his first year with a second-year quarterback, they would kind of have uh, his, his kind of go-to concepts hammered out before the season. So um, there's definitely some things that they could uh, or that Gates could do to tailor his offense more to Sam Donald, which obviously a lot of it is, is getting him more, you know, on the move and rollouts, bootlegs, you know, um, et cetera, because Donald is exceptional at throwing the ball while on the run. Uh, I would say he's even more accurate while on the run than he is with the clean pocket. <laughs> so uh, you definitely see some more of that. But there's a, there's a ton of factors. It's not just on Donald. It's not just on the offensive line. It's not just on the skill positions. It's not just on coaching. Um, it's a combination of so many things right now. Let's talk about what they can do to help improve the team overall, and I specifically want to talk about the offensive line in a bit because there are two players that you've looked at fairly extensively so far, Jack Conklin, the right tackle from the Tennessee Titans, and all-pro guard Joe Tooney of the New England Patriots, but we'll get to that in a second. First, I want to know what your thoughts are on Joe Douglas. Where are you with him right now as general manager? Are you pleased? Are you excited? Are you optimistic? Yeah, it's 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 incomplete right now. He didn't have the off season. He didn't have, you know, a draft to really um, address things. He didn't really do much during the, um, you know, during the regular season to, to necessarily impress me. I don't think that the, the, the moves he made were bad. A lot of people are Monday morning quarterback, some of the moves, Scott, but when you looked at it uh, at the time of the Khalil signing or yeah, the signing, he, I thought it was a smart move. Um, a veteran offensive lineman, um, yeah, he came in, you know, a little bit, I guess, out of, you know, out of shape and played just absolutely terribly. But I think at the time it was a smart move to try to address the um, offensive line with a veteran, you know, a veteran offensive lineman who could help call out protections, help Sam Donald out. Obviously, it didn't come to fruition. He didn't play well. Um, but I didn't think that was a bad move. Um, but there really wasn't a ton that's on his resume for me to say, okay, yeah, he's going to be a great GM. And, you know, we can point at, you know, his time with the, um, the Eagles, the Ravens, uh, with the Bears, I believe it's the Bears, um, and say, you know, how great those organizations were. And once he got there, they were moving in the right direction. And, you know, the Eagles really addressed the offensive line. They went on to win a Super Bowl. Um, but we don't really know how much, and unless you know, Scott, I don't know how much he necessarily had, it, you know, in those rooms in terms of influence. So, yeah, he was with great organizations, but how much did he really do? Isn't John Isaacly with the Seahawks, you know? So <laughs> it's, and I think he gets more credit than that because people talk so highly of him around the league. Isaac was a guy who came in. People are kind of like, uh, you know, what, who the hell is this guy? And you didn't really hear much about him. I from like Seahawks guys who are obviously aren't going to crap on their own guy. Um, but Joe Douglas is widely regarded as a really, really good uh, GM. He was highly sought after. Um, and the Jets were able to land him, you know, with that big contract uh, with, you know, a lot of uh, years on it. So he has uh, quite a bit of uh, flexibility to really rebuild or build this team in the way he wants to. But I can't really say right now that he's going to be fantastic. You look at the Eagles drafts. Yeah, they, they you know, they dress the offensive line of things. But 
Uh, they don't really have a ton of skill players on that team. They were severely lacking last year. They didn't really have any corners, you know, so like you know, they didn't have a ton of, you know, receivers when you look at that as well. Uh, running backs were, were pretty lacking. Um, I know, uh, you know, they had a few guys there, but it's not like they had a ton of talent, you know, uh, last year when they, when they won the division title in the lonely, uh, you know, NFC East. So, uh, there, there are some holes there, you know, and like I said, how much really influence did he have on those rooms? So incomplete, uh, incomplete, but when he speaks, I do, I do like it. And he's a good speaker, which doesn't necessarily mean he'd be a good guy, but Todd Isaac or one of these other guys when it's, you know, they're basically throwing up every time they, they speak and it's just <laughs> disgusting to listen to, to watch. Um, and, you know, he said he wants to make Jamal Adams a, a jet for life, which I, which I agree with. Um, says they're looking into re-signing Robbie Anderson. And um, some of the things seem pretty basic, but just in, uh, uh, you know, in my perspective, I do like the way that he's, he's speaking. And it seems like he's really doing his due diligence with the offensive line. Says they needed to, to protect Sam Donald, which is important. Uh, you can't go in, into another season, Sam Donald's third season, with him being hit so much and pressured so much, not being able to go through his reads, which uh, severely limits um, him, the offense, his growth. You know, et cetera. So I, I think Joe Douglas is going to be uh, offensive line heavy, uh, hopefully both in free agency and the draft. But I also think he's going to be smart enough where, you know, let's say if, if they really like Wills and, and Worfs and Beckton and, you know, even Thomas, whatever, and they're all gone or, you know, they really don't like one of them because they don't, fit, they, they don't feel like he fits the scheme, um, he'll look to trade back. You know, he'll, he'll maybe look at a, a skill position. A lot of people talk about trading down, but will it be for the right price? Will anybody want to trade up? And if he's not getting the right price, don't force the trade down. And if a guy like, you know, my, my favorite receiver, uh, receiver is Judy. And if Judy's there, um, um, you know, take him if you feel like that's going to help Sam Donald. But I think a lot of the his, his priority this offseason, whether it be offensive line um, or with skill positions, is, is really going to be uh, helping Sam Donald. Obviously, they'll add some things on defense. They need to add some things on defense. Some of their, their, their you know, four or five corners right now. I probably couldn't even name two of them. Um, who's actually under contract still. I know, you know Tremaine Johnson's gone, Poole is gone. Um, can't see them paying, you know, Roberts, whatever it is, six, seven, eight million dollars that he's owed this year. So he'll probably get cut or restructured, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, you have Mollette who has to re-sign, you know, bless Austin's there, but they, they need a ton of things everywhere. But I think that he's going to be um, offensive heavy, helping Sam Darnold heavy. Um, and from what he's said and, and done so far, I, I think it's, you know, point in the right direction, but it's, it really didn't complete great because he came in uh, at such a late uh, point in the offseason. So. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk free agency now. And I'll get to the internal free agents in a bit. You just touched on a couple of them, but I want to talk external free agents. You mentioned offensive line being a major priority, and I know that, as I said before, you've taken an extensive look at both Jack Conklin and Joe Tooney. So before we get into any other potential targets at free agency, give me the lowdown on those two guys. What did you come away from this thinking after you reviewed both of them on film? And by the way, if you have yet to watch Joe's film reviews of Conklin and Tooney, they are up on our 
our YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV. And also, you can find links to them on Joe's Twitter at JoeRB31. Yeah, so uh, Conklin was the, was the first one that I did. Um, and it's kind of an interesting like talking point before I even get into the film about how much you're willing to pay him. Um, because I don't feel like he is an offensive lineman that I'm willing to necessarily pay uh, 16 or 15, 16, 17 million dollars per year um, just based on his play. But we know that the Jets are, are desperate for offensive linemen. So do you not want to sign him? And then let's say Tooney resigns with the Patriots and Sheriff goes elsewhere. And then you're, lo- you're, you know, you're left with a bunch of mid to low tier of, uh, you know, uh, tiers of free agent offensive linemen. So, uh, do you have to overspend by two, three, four million dollars to make sure you land somebody? Um, I think that's a, you know, an important decision that, that Joe Douglas and the Jets, you know, brass is going to have to make because I don't feel like he's a top flight right tackle. Um, in the league, I do think he's solid, but he's not, he's not elite in my eyes. Um, some of the strengths that, you know, I, I think that I, you know, or that I know I, that I saw, like I said, that, that one's on the YouTube channel. Uh, you can go there, watch it. I also have it pinned to my Twitter profile. Um, right now, Joe RB31, you can look at, I think I put up 49 plays of him. Uh, I think he's really good at picking up stunts. I think he's good with keeping his eyes to the second level. I think he has good strength um, when he has proper technique. I, you know, he has um, a decent uh, ability to work to the second level. I think he takes good angles. But in terms of his athleticism, I don't think it's necessarily top flight. Um, he's an average athlete, average foot speed. Uh, there's some problems with his technique leaning into blocks. Um, you know, reaching too much uh, on on reach blocks, where I like to see him, you know, more scooch techniques, more, um, you know, bucket steps to get in front of the guy uh, positionally um, before he tries to engage in contact. So there's some things that are are kind of troubling with his with his play uh, and pass protection. You can see, you know, a hand shot from wide, hand shot from low, and allowing the the rusher to uh, contain or, or to uh, control the chest, which is the biggest. You know, thing in, in pass section you do not want to give up um, is your chest, especially against you know the, these uh, these speed to power type guys that he's going up against on the edge. So that's kind of the negative stuff. But I do think there's positive stuff too. Like I said, um, with with his eyes, with his ability to to pick up stunts, with his drag hand that he consistently throws out in pass protection to make sure nobody penetrates the B gap while he's not looking at the B gap. So um, there's definitely um, good and bad with his play, uh, solid right tackle, but I don't think he's, like I said, I don't think he's top, top flight, but they might be willing or have to pay top flight dollar for him. So I don't think he's a perfect prospect. Um, I, I came away, you know, impressed, but not, not uh, break the bed type impressed with like I was with Joe Tooney and getting into Joe Tooney, who uh, didn't put out the review yet, but I just finished recording the, uh, the last game last night. So that's going to be going up today. So like I said, Joe RB31, it'll be doing a YouTube show. Uh, relatively shortly. I haven't really, you know, I didn't go through the whole list of uh, the the strengths and weaknesses that I typed down for Conklin, and I don't really have him organized yet for, for Tooney, but he is really, really impressive. Uh, and Scott, I remember you telling me before I did him that you think I'd be really impressed with him, and I, and I was. Uh, not a lot of flaws in his game, or usually, you know, for, for Conklin, I had a list that was almost as big as his strengths, um, you know, at, at, at his weaknesses, but for for a guy in Tooney, his weaknesses don't show up. And the only thing that I really have listed is that he's a little bit thin to play inside, but I don't think it affects him a lot because he's really good um, at getting leverage and good with his hand strikes. Uh, sometimes he lowers his head, but you don't see it affect him too, too much, to be completely honest. Um, you know, I think he has shorter arms for his, for his height. 
Uh, his strength is, is lacking, but again, it doesn't hurt him too much. He's just not going to create a ton of movement. Um, and once, once, once he's engaged, sometimes he gives up a little bit too easy, which I would like to see him fight through more blocks at, at times. But that's, you know, again, it's not, doesn't show up too, uh, too often. Um, but other than that, there's really not a ton with him that's bad. Where if I go through his, his strength list that I have written down, uh, athletic, smart, awareness, lateral ability, patient with hands, active feet, um, can move on traps, pulls, screens, etc. Always looking for a block to assist. Uh, to assist. Uh, works hands, alternating hooks to get under technique, positional flexibility, hip fluid, uh, fluidity, uh, plays angles, foot fire, quick hands. Like there's a bunch of things that I wrote down that I haven't organized yet um, on this notes section in my phone. By you know watching it, film, I go through it. I note it down. If I see it multiple times, that's when I you know bold it as a strength. And his his list is is extensive. Uh, but just to be simple, you know, really smart player, really good. Uh, I got in positional leverage, which the Jets need for, for an inside zone, tight zone, outside zone type of system that they run pri- uh, primarily. Um, good, at, good with his hands, good at picking up stunts, smart player, knows when, to shoot, knows when to shoot his hands. You see him with circle punches, fake punches, which will cause the defensive lineman to shoot, you know, to basically, for lack of a better term, shoot their shot. <laughs> and then he knows <laughs> what's going on as they shoot their hands, you know, swipes, uh, clubs, whatever it may be, and he can react to that because they think that he's going. To, you know, he, he shot their or he shot his hands, um, and then you will land his hand perfectly. You know, inside with the left, and then come under with the hook with the right. So like he is a really clean um, type of player. Now, is there slight concern? Okay, the whole Patriots thing. Uh, you know, look at was a Nate Soldier or Solder who who went to the Giants. I, I can't speak on on Solder because I didn't watch him. So. Um, do the Patriots have the benefit and do they have the benefit of Skarnecchia, um, coaching up that offensive line to, to pass up stunts and, and, you know, correct slides, um, you know, et cetera. Yes. And did they have also the benefit of Tom Brady getting rid of the, you know, rid of the ball in, in under two seconds, like for like 50% of their plays, whatever it may be. Um, yes. But I made sure I kept, I kept a close eye on those reps where, you know, Tom Brady would take a five-step, seven-step drop play action. I think he held up really, really well. Uh, I think in isolation situations versus defensive linemen, I think he held up really well. So there wasn't an issue that was being hidden by um, whether it be Skarnecchia or, you know, the fact that Tom Brady got rid of the ball quickly. So I think he's, he's pretty clean um, of a prospect unless as soon as he leaves or not a prospect, a free agent, um, unless as soon as he leaves the Patriots, he forgets every single technical thing he's learned in the last three, four, five years, whatever whatever it's been since he's been with the Patriots. So I uh, really, really like Tooney. I think he's, you know, in, in my eyes personally, he's the number one target in free agency um, for the Jets. You know, if Nagakwa gets there, that, that could be a different story. But I, I think overall, even if they were both there to choose one of them, I'm personally choosing uh, Tooney. Um, never, you know, doesn't miss snaps, can play, uh, left guard can play right guard can play you know tackle if you need him so I think it was the second or third game of the season he he flexed over to right tackle um, because the right tackle got hurt or you know another offensive lineman got hurt and then he had to move the right tackle for whatever reason so positional flexibility uh, a, a lot of a lot of positive things with, with Tooney where I'll be willing to pay him 15 16 17 million dollars and much more quickly than I'd be willing to pay uh, Jack Conklin at, at right tackle, who I think may end up being a guy who is paid for more of him being a free agent in the top right tackle free agent, not actually his play, where I think Tooney will deserve his money. So uh, really, really high on Tooney and kind of lukewarm on 
Conklin, like I said, don't think he's top flight. I think he's just, you know, solid maybe in that 10 to 15 range, but not Tooney, who I think uh, if you go through all the left guards in the league, might end up being a, a top five to seven type guy. I agree, and I also think that Tooney and Ngakwe, if he makes it to free agency, should be the two top targets. I don't know how realistic it is that the Jets could get one, let alone both of them, but that's a whole other story because we have to still see if either or both of those guys makes it to free agency. So let's talk about the rest of the free agents that the Jets could target. Who else do you like? I know this happens to be an especially rich edge rusher class. There are some offensive linemen that are available, some corners, wide receivers. Who do you like for the Jets in free agency externally? Because we'll get back to the internal free agents in a bit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's offensive line heavy um, for me, and there are some... You know, there are some other guys uh, that it, it, it's name versus where you're actually paying them. So guys like Omari Cooper, like, yeah, would they be great for the Jets? But uh, yes, but also with their cap space that they have, you know, somewhere, let's just say in the, in the kind of the middle range of, of teams, they don't have a ton, but they also don't have um, none at all. But looking at paying a guy like Omari Cooper, you know, $19, $20 million for a guy who has, you know, some concentration drops. He's a, one of the most elite rat runners in the NFL. Um, but he also gets hurt all the time. So would I like a guy like that? Yes, at the same time, kind of no. So he's not on the top of my list. Um, but really, it's it's offensive linemen. Um, you know, especially Tooney. Uh, I've been impressed with Sheriff. I haven't uh, really went through his film with the with a uh, a fine tooth comb or whatever the hell that that expression is. Um, but when I do watch him, I'm really impressed. Uh, that there are some concerns with with injuries. Guys like uh, McGovern from the the center from the Broncos. Um, Glasgow from the Lions, a guy with some uh, positional flexibility on the offensive line. Uh, I would like to see the Jets find at least two of those guys. Um, so it's really you know heavy there. And then it depends on wide receiver with what's going to happen with you know a guy and Robbie Anderson. If Robbie Anderson walks, I think the Jets are forced into a position where they have to sign a wide receiver. People say NFL draft, NFL draft, NFL draft. It's a lot easier to say NFL draft, but what happens if the Jets like two offensive linemen in the top two rounds and you're stuck with, you know, a guy in the third round who who may or may not be good, but there's a reason the receiver most likely fell to the third round. And now you have Crowder, a third round wide receiver, and Nunwa, who is even playing for the Jets this year, and what, Demarius Thomas, if they bring him back, you know? So I think if, if Rob Anderson walks, you have to look in, you know, to, to bringing in a guy, you know, and these aren't high type names, but I think it's just realistic, but a, a, a Funchess, you know, a Brashad Perryman, even though they're not necessarily the top of, of my list. You know, a lot of people say A.J. Green, but he's been injured the last couple of years. And I think, you know, um, and it's, it's true, the best, of, the best ability is availability. He hasn't been available. So he kind of falls, you know, down that list for me. Um, looking at the other guys, uh, you know, splitting to the defensive side of the ball, uh, I'm not uh, completely versed in, like, who's available there. I know a lot of people talk about Judon. I, I think he can go overpaid for what he – what he is from what I've seen personally, uh, Shaq Barrett, a lot of people talk about Shaq Barrett. Like they really want to go after him. Listen, a, a guy who, who led the NFL in sacks um, for, for one year and paying that top dollar, I could easily see being a situation where he, call, he, you know, he signs to a team for $19, $20 million a year and gives them six or seven sacks, not you know, 15, 16, 17. So uh, I would stay far away from Shaq Barrett, in, in, in my opinion, on the defensive side of the ball. Now, if they're looking at a guy um, who I know a lot of people probably don't like, but I think more real, realistic edge rushers that the Jets should target would be a guy like Dante Fowler. 
a guy like Vic Beasley, guys who aren't going to necessarily break the bank, but who may be able to provide some pass rush uh, for the Jets if they're not going to be able to, to get it in the NFL draft because it's a, it's a crash. You don't really know what's going to happen, who's going to be available, who the Jets take. So I think getting somebody there would be a, would, would be a good idea. And, and Beasley and Fowler are guys who pop out to me who could be guys you can get for uh, relatively cheap as compared to guys like Judon and Barrett. Um, and then the corners are in another position I would definitely look for the Jets to target because, again, NFL draft is unpredictable and the Jets have literally nobody. And <laughs> corner is one of the most premium positions, you know, in football. It's really, really important for, you know, any team you you uh, you look at. doesn't matter the system you run, cover three, cover two, man, doesn't matter. Uh, corners are important. Uh, there's talk about Boye getting released. He would be a huge target um, if, if he was to be released at the Jets should target. Uh, Bradbury seems like the top corner right now because he's a guy who's uh, he's young and he's going to be on the market, you know, coming from the Panthers as well. So some of those guys, uh, I would definitely look to 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 bring in and are some of the guys at the top of my list. There are some guys who are probably floating around who I didn't mention. Those are just names at the top of my head, but I think the Jets need to go into free agency um, attacking the top positions that they need because I don't like the idea of Joe Douglas having to go into the draft and needing to draft certain positions to address holes. I'd rather have him go into the draft, like I say, with some flexibility, uh, just in terms of like you look at what Jets are in case about 11, you know, if, if they really like Wills worse and let's say Beckton, but they're not in love with Thomas and they have Thomas as let's say a B grade, um, but they didn't get on any offensive line. So they're forced into taking the B player instead of let's say Judy as you're an A-plus player in their mind, but, but they can't take him because they're forcing them to take the offensive line because they didn't sign anybody. Or, you know, in the second round, they love, you know, player X, whoever it may be, um, and he is at, I don't know, let's say let's say uh, wide receiver again, but they can't take him because they need to draft the corner because they didn't address corner free agency. So I just want to see Joe Douglas really address those, those top needs as best he can to give himself some, uh, some flexibility. What about internal free agents? Who do you want to bring back? Who are you looking to say goodbye to? And are there any players on the roster that you'd be looking to cut? We know that Tremaine Johnson is gone, but beyond him, anybody else you'd be looking to get rid of? Yeah, so the Jets have a pretty extensive list. I'm looking at it now. Um, you know, guys like uh, Jeff Smith and Bennett Jackson I don't really care about. Uh, Sam Fick in no way bringing a new kicker, please God. Uh, Frankie Lubu is a guy I would look to, to bring back. I, I think he's a he's a good physical player, role player as a linebacker. Uh, Lack Edwards I think is um, a guy who's underrated. I, I think he has good hang time. I think he's a good uh, you know positional punter um, in terms of putting the ball where he wants. So I look to bring him back. Uh, Brandon Shell looking at the offensive line. Um, I you know, if he wants to come back as a as a backup swing tackle, sure. But if he's expecting starter money, there's no way I would look to bring him back. Uh, I, I think you remember Scott. I'm not high on Brandon Shell at all. I think he's absolutely terrible to be completely honest. But I think you could do a little bit um, worse as a backup. Uh, looking at the offensive line uh, again, Alex Lewis, a guy they traded for, a guy who Joe Douglas knows coming from the Ravens organization. I, I think he is a guy they look to bring back either as a you know as a backup guard or potentially as a you know as a starter, um, depending on how free agency and the draft shakes out. But I think that's a guy they should look to bring back. I think he was okay. Maybe a little bit below average as a guard, or probably yeah, definitely below average as a guard. Um, you know, in in the 2019 season, he's had some injury problems, but we have always talked about there's a difference between being a below average or even a bad starter versus a 
a bad backup. So I think that's a guy that they should look to bring back um, on the offensive line going to the other, you know, some of the other players, some of the lower players, and I'm just really scrolling up the list, so it might be out of order. Uh, Mollette, uh, don't really care about, to be completely honest, if they want to bring him back as a fifth or sixth, that's fine. Jim Burgess, um, I think he played well. And I remember bringing that up really early in the offseason when they signed him and really nobody knew what he was about. And I watched some Burgess, uh, Burgess film, and I was pretty impressed. I think if you're looking for a depth um, inside linebacker, I, I think he'd be a, a smart you know, bring back. I, I think both those guys, honestly, I think uh, bringing back Hewitt and Burgess would be would be smart moves for the Jets because they've had some injuries there. So, you know, may they have five inside linebackers? Yes, but, you know, Mosley had a big injury, uh, you know, last year. Uh, Hewitt went out for a couple of games. You obviously have Williamson. Is Williamson going to come back? Um, who continue with that position, I think is a, is a guy that they should bring back and, and not cut. Um, the Jets have plenty of, plenty of holes and not a lot of things to build around, but I believe with both of those guys healthy, with, with uh, Avery Williamson and with uh, C.J. Mosley, I think that's one of the top five inside linebacker duos in the league. Uh, Mosley, I, I feel severely underrated by even Jets fans. Uh, when he plays, he is really, really effective, one of the best in the run game you know, in the NFL and it's severely underrated in the past game where I showed some things of him on film. You can always go back. It's all, it's all on tape um, of what I've showed to him, you know, from him in, uh, you know, in coverage. Sorry. Um, so I think that would be one of the best duos in, in the league. So I think all the inside linebackers they should bring back it. Yeah, they may have five, but it is what it is. Um, scrolling up the list, Jordan Jenkins, a guy who is not a, he's not a world beater. He's not, you know, Khalil Mack, obviously. He's not Von Miller. He's, you know, he never put up a, a season like, you know, Shaq Barrett or one of the Smiths from the Packers. But I think, you know, the Jets have to be realistic with, with they can't fill all of their, all of their needs with, you know, prime players. So you can't fill, you know, cornerback with Jalen Ramsey and outside linebacker with Khalil Mack. You know, you have to be realistic with both free agency, the draft and your internal free agents. And I think, uh, in, in my opinion, Jordan Jenkins is a, he's an average to above average starter at outside linebacker on a strong side. He can set, a good edge. He's a smart player. You know, he might only get you seven to eight to nine sacks um, in a year, but I, I still think that's valuable in the NFL. Good locker room guy, smart guy, well-spoken. So I would definitely look to bring Jordan Jenkins uh, back as well. Ty Montgomery, I don't think there's any way he's coming back. Uh, I liked him, you know, coming into the year, but he was severely underutilized in my opinion for what he was. So I don't think he comes back. Bilal Powell, uh, is probably a guy I would look to bring back as either the two or the three, maybe with, you know, paired with a guy in the fifth, sixth round coming in. Um, looking at the rest of the list, uh, Compton is a guy maybe you bring back. These are all like, they're all like, they're, you know, kind of lesser known or not lesser known guys, but less of importance. Uh, but Compton, Copeland, yeah, sure, depending on the price. Rontez Miles, if you want him for free agency. Uh, Simeon, I think, is a guy that they should look to bring back. Uh, you know, backup quarterback is an important position, and Simeon, I think as a decent backup quarterback, it's unfortunate that Miles Garrett snapped his leg, but I still think he's a decent guy. Um, and getting to the top of the list with some of the more important guys, I'm looking at it now. Demarius Thomas is that's the, that depends. That's that's really what happens in free agency. But a guy who already knows the system, and I think was a decent number four, number five guy. So yeah, sure. Uh, Brian Poole is is probably one of the more interesting guys. Um, because they signed him for what three and a half million dollars, Scott, if I'm if I'm correct on the on the uh, salary, but he's going to want more money than that. He played really really well at slot corner. Now some people are calling him like a top slot corner in the league, which Jets fans have a tendency to overrate their own players. 
I think he was definitely good. I think teams took notice of that. Um, and they're going to be willing to pay him, you know, potentially seven, eight, nine million dollars a year. Are the Jets willing to go that high um, for a player, you know, who was a couple of years already into his NFL career? And this is the first year that he was consistent with the Falcons. He was a pretty inconsistent player. One play, really good play, blowing up a run game or interception. The next play, a, a mental, you know, lapse in, in the, the coverage that he was in. So are they willing to go that high? Um, I'm not so sure if, if he's, if he's looking at seven, eight million dollars, sure. Um, bring him back. But if he's in a nine to $10 million range, um, I don't think they do it. And yeah, that might sound high, but listen, slot corner is, is, is a, it's a starter now. Um, and he was one of the best, you know, he was a top, you know, 10, 15 guy in that position last year. Um, so he's going to get that free agency boost. So, um, that's a really interesting one. Rob Anderson. Um, I think on the same page as me, Scott, I think he's underrated by Jets fans as well. And, you know, I heard the whole thing about him, all, you know, uh, I think he came on Twitter this, 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 uh, this week and saying that the nine route, you know, the hardest route to run in the NFL. I don't necessarily agree with that, but people just act like, you know, you, you get off the line, you just run straight and that's all that's to it. There's a lot of, you know, uh, leverage you have to worry about hand fighting, uh, pressing guys to the inside to get to the outside or the outside to the inside. There's, there's pressure stems, there's, there's a jerk stem, there's a bunch of different things um, that go into running vertical routes. So um, I don't think he's necessarily wrong in kind of criticizing the fans who just think he runs straight off the line of scrimmage. That's not what happens. Um, and I'm willing to pay Robbie Anderson. Listen, like I said, uh, I think the Jets have to bring back some of their own freedom. Now, if he's up to 15, 14, 15, that, that may be a little high for the Jets. But I think if you're, if you're, or if the Jets can get him at twelve, thirteen million dollars, um, I don't want to continue to you know to, to continuing to open up holes in the Jets roster. Him and uh, Donald have a lot of chemistry, and I think you'd be getting him out of at the price that he's kind of valued at. I think if you let him go to, let's say the Packers or the the Eagles or whatever team may be, the Panthers with you know with Rule or whatever it may be, I think you're going to see him be a thousand yard receiver who's putting up ten, eleven, twelve touchdowns a year. Because with the Jets, it's obvious the, the the problems he's had with the Jets over his over his career. You know, early in his career, it was both playing with a bad offensive line, uh, playing with quarterbacks who couldn't reach him. Fitzpatrick couldn't throw the ball more than more than twelve yards. <laughs> you have you have um, McCown who, who doesn't have a laser. You have bad offensive line, so the the, the deeper concepts aren't able to be opened up. Um, so he's not going to be able to take the top off the defense consistently. So I think if the Jets, you know address the offensive line the best they can this year and go from worse in the league, you know, potentially to middle of the pack. You're going to see Robbie Anderson get a lot more yards, get a lot more opportunities. So I would like to see him um, sign back for, for sure. Uh, but he might outprice himself in free agency because if he goes into free agency minus Cooper, he's the top target. And if Cooper is tagged or signed or whatever, he goes in and easily the top target, in my opinion, um, in free agency in terms of wide receiver. Uh, the last two guys I've seen on this list, Khalil, there's no way it's not going to happen. Uh, rather just have Harrison at this point, um, starting at center. And then Beecham is another interesting guy, um, who that all depends on free agency. I, I think it's smart to bring him back. Now I know he's had some, you know, apparent issues with, with Adam Gates and he criticized him. I'm not sure exactly how, but I heard there was some issues, whether it be on, on Twitter or social media or interviews, whatever it was, but I heard there has been issues. So does he want to come back to the Jets? I'm not 100% sure, but like I've said with other things, I don't want to keep opening up holes. And now if you don't have Beecham next year, what are you going to the offensive line with next year? You, you don't have you don't have Lewis. You don't have Beecham. Um, you have Harrison at center. 
Adoga at right tackle and maybe Winters at right guard. Like you need to bring back uh, Beecham, in my opinion, you know, obviously depending on price because he was the, the Jets' best offensive lineman right now. And we have to be realistic about the Jets, you know, not being able to open up um, a ton of holes. And if they were to draft, let's just say back then at, you know, at 11, um, is he going to be ready for left tackle right away? Um, or do you think he should, you know, be a right tackle for a year or two and then switch over when Beecham leaves in, in a year or two? So I think it's a smart thing to bring back Beecham, who is not a world beater. He's, he's an average tackle, maybe a little, little bit of, uh, below an uh, average left tackle in the league. Um, but still, like I said, he's, he's an important piece to the offensive line. You can't replace everything. So as long as he doesn't price himself out, I think you should bring him back. So it seems like most of those guys I said we should bring back. Obviously, Tremaine Johnson is a guy who's going to get cut. Roberts is a guy who's going to get cut. They're not going to be able to trade Le'Veon Bell, and they shouldn't be stupid to to dump Le'Veon Bell, who is still one of the top running backs in the league, in my opinion, uh, for a late round pick, and be and basically be uh, you know paying him to play somewhere else. So uh, I guess that's the whole list, unless I miss somebody, Scott. But I don't I don't know if I'm missing anybody. Those are the highlights. I'm sure there are some guys that are grade eight free agents or something that were on the practice squad that you may have missed, but you touched on everybody that's going to matter this offseason. Joe Blewett, the host of TOJ Film Room over on our YouTube channel, Turn On The Jets TV. He's got great reviews up right now of Jack Conklin and Joe Tooney. Check them out before free agency starts. Joe, what else do you have cooking up there? Uh, yeah, so I'm doing some more, uh, free agency guys. It's kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm almost leaning more into getting to the draft right now because the, the guy who people want next is Yannick Ngakwe. I'm not even sure he's going to be, um, available. Um, so, and I'm hearing a lot about, you know, Werfs versus Wills versus, you know, drafting Judy or Lamb or, uh, Ruggs or whoever it may be. So I, I'm going to have a few more free agent, you know, guys, uh, posted in the next couple of weeks once the Jets, you know, uh, sign some guys and free agency. I'll definitely make sure I hammer out those guys. Um, and then it's draft time. So you, it, there's a lot of film right now, Scott. There's just, it, it's too much with free agency coming and the draft, you know, a month apart. So, um, look for some more free agency targets followed by some, uh, some of these highly touted draft guys. I'll probably do the four offensive tackles and maybe the top three or four receivers, hopefully before the draft starts. Go ahead and follow Joe on Twitter at JoeRB31. Check out his reviews on his Twitter and on our YouTube channel, Turn On The Jets TV. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn On The Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.